This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Giants podcast for Giants fans. Bye, Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dottino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giants step, step. All right, welcome into one giant step. And boy, do we have one giant topic to discuss. It's Sean Morash, it's Paul Dottino. And I can officially say, in podcast season, giant season, we begin the 2023 campaign because we now know who the Giants quarterback definitely, 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 definitely will be. Paul Dettino joining me as always, Sean Morash. Paul, hello. Happy franchise tag deadline deal day to you, sir. Indeed, Sean. It is so good to see you back here on the program again. And, you know, quite frankly, I think the soap opera the Giants fans have had to endure on basically a daily basis for the last how many months has been incredibly stressful and quite honestly ridiculous and unwarranted. We tried to yeah. tell the fans back in October, and I was very assertive about this, there were only two things that were going to happen. Jones and Barkley would both sign new deals, or Jones would sign and Barkley would get the tag. Correct. And anybody who knows anything about business knew that this tag thing with Jones was going to come down to the wire because that's the way business works, okay? There's no way in the world that his agency was going to allow him to sign long before the deadline because then it would look like maybe they left meat on the bone. They've got to save face. They've got to make sure that they can tell everybody that they were grinding, they were sweating, they were doing everything they could to grind out the best deal they could for their guy. So it was going to have to go down to the wire. I believe that all along, this is the way it was meant to be. And of course, now we are there. We are there. So before we get into Saquon and the franchise tag and everything else that goes with it and you know what Jones actually asked for, we'll get to in a couple moments. Let's just lay it out for the people. Jones does sign a four-year deal with the Giants. Uh, worth, and now of course you're going to pay attention to the guarantees, but the overall money is worth $160 million, Paul. Um, $35 million in incentives, and of course the report $82 million in guarantees 
over the first two years, he'll get that guaranteed money. But I guess the cap hits get spread out over four years with the guarantees is the way I'm interpreting this. And the first year cap number, which is important for the Giants and their maneuverability and free agency, will be $19 million. Again, it would have been $32 million with the non-exclusive tag put on put in there. So by avoiding the tag, at least this year, as far as salary cap goes and the way the Giants are building a roster they save another $13 million. And remember, there still could be restructures, and we'll get to these at some point through the podcast, for guys like Leonard Williams and perhaps a Dory Jackson that could free up even more cap room. So that's kind right. of the nuts and bolts of where we're at, Paul. Do you think I missed anything there in the fine details before we break down his worth and everything with it? Well, those numbers that you're giving are being reported by the network television people. And I Correct. think at some point in time, we'll get more details. Whether or not those are all accurate, that remains to be seen. But let's Correct. for a moment, Go off the hypothetical that those numbers are certainly realistic. Well, if it comes out to the average yearly number of $40 million a year, that would tie him for eighth in the NFL amongst quarterbacks this season with Dak Prescott of the Cowboys. But as you said, the most important number of all, because of the Giants' cap situation, is his $19 million charged against the cap. Now, if that number is accurate, then he is only accounting for 8% of the Giants cap in 2023. Yeah, I believe, I know, it, you know, splitting hairs, but I believe it's 7.7% of the cap, which is, you know, in many ways, if you have a really rock-solid franchise quarterback, I hate to use the word steal, but, I mean, that is aces as far as your cap percentage goes. That is and a it, beautiful thing. And by the way, that does alleviate, I know they're going to likely do a restructure, but when a guy like Leonard Williams is eating up a large percentage of the cap, that does alleviate a little bit if your quarterback is not the one eating up, you know, 20% of the cap, 18%, something like that. Well, as, as I have often said, the big problem, Patrick Mahomes broke the mold this year when, you know, he had an outrageous cap number and, and was like the first guy to, to be a quarterback on a Super Bowl-winning team since the turn of the century, okay? Uh, you know, or certainly, you know, yes, the century was 2000. No. He, he's, the first, he's the first one, you know, who had a cap number that won a Super Bowl of, of like over 15%. Correct. I mean, it doesn't happen. When your quarterback has a balloon cap number, you absolutely suffocate the rest of your roster. Mahomes is the first guy to break the mold, the first guy to do it, which tells you that the last 20 plus years, it could not be done. So for the Giants to have a quarterback now, their franchise guy at only 8% of the cap, and it remains to be seen what the numbers will be that will let us know what the second and third year yeah. percentages will be. And of course, the cap will go up in ensuing years. Yeah, That's where this becomes important for this team. Okay, let's let's make that very clear. And we also don't know how it's structured to where it then becomes economically feasible for the Giants to get out in case Jones should get dramatically hurt or in case for some reason he should take a nosedive as a player. Yeah, that, that's obviously important is the outs, right? Do they hit a fork in the road where Joe Shane and company realize, okay, now we need to get out because we gambled on it. Maybe he didn't grow. Because that's the other thing, Paul, and we have hammered this time in and time out. And the guy that I always come back to with the Giants in free agency was when they signed Olivier Verne. Uh, why am I forgetting his last name now? Olivier Verne. That's he, right. Uh, yeah. 
don't know why I'm like blanking all of a sudden. Uh, when they saw to all of us, it was it was the idea of you know he was the second pass rusher next to Cam Wake. Maybe didn't have the great sack numbers, but the idea you kept hearing, and the Giants got a lot out of him initially, was you pay a guy a lot of money for what you think they're about to become, not what they've already done. And I think that the Giants, in their mind, are paying Daniel Jones here an average salary, approximately of forty million, because they think. What we just saw last year was not the best of Daniel Jones. It was the beginning of Daniel Jones. And I think what a lot of people have a hard time struggling with that I've come to grips with, and you can call this excuses, call it what you want. I consider last year truly Daniel Jones's second year. Now, it doesn't work that way with contracts and you have to pay him. It really kind of feels like the two years of the Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, Freddie Kitchens, basically disaster. And you can look at the fingerprints all over the team kind of stunted everything. And you look at what Jones was able to do in year one, pushing the ball down the field, and now you know, cut down on the turnovers. This felt like a real year two. So for the Giants at a 25-year-old here now, they are paying him because they think he's going to ascend. And if you get that out after year two or year three, okay, if, if Jones doesn't ascend, then at least it's not a complete killer. Because as you said, too, the cap's going to go up. And Paul, I don't want to rain on every uh, beat reporter, and I know that you won't touch it. I'll just say this. One of the things that drove me nuts over the last two weeks about these Jones negotiations, the Amazon money and the new TV money has not boomed the cap yet. And it is supposed to forget going up. The salary cap is supposed to have a significant ballooning at the end of either next year or the year after it's coming in the next year, which happened during this Jones contract, which, Oh, by the way, you think Jones's agents aren't aware of the whole world is aware of it, which is why maybe some of those asking prices could have been true that he, you know, he was asking for high prices, but a $40 million average cap hit. I mean, well, even if that's not the cap hit average per year is going to be on par for mediocre quarterbacks in the NFL soon because the quarterbacks get paid the most amount of money. And for some reason, everybody kept ignoring the ballooning cap and just focusing singularly on this year, which I thought was a little ridiculous. And maybe I think made the common fan sweat out something they didn't need to sweat out when hearing big ticket numbers. Yeah, I think you make a very good point, Sean. And that is why it's interesting for me at how these numbers are going to divvy up because it's clearly backloaded like all deals are. But understanding that there is going to be a significant amount of revenue coming into this league, which will drive the number up when the Giants have to redo the deal of Leonard Williams. And they're going to back end that. They're going to have to extend the deals of Andrew Thomas. They're going to have to extend the deals of Xavier McKinney. Okay. This is no secret. You know what's going on. Absolute Dexter Lawrence. You know what's going on. Joe Shane's already said he's going to have to deal with those guys. And where do, you, where do you think that cap room is going to come from, okay? Part of where it's going to come from is their anticipation that there is going to be more coming in from the league. I've explained this to people on, on some other shows. I think I've told it to you here. Every NFL franchise's front office plans out their caps and their numbers on three-year increments, okay? They don't just talk about what they got their cap number this year and what they're under contract with this year. They look at the next two years after. So everything is done on a three-year sketch, if you will, as to what they anticipate, what they think is going to happen. And so, all right, can we maneuver this? Can we maneuver that? Can we take a little bit of a balloon hit here? Because we think it's going to be X, Y, and Z over the course of the next couple of seasons. So you make a great point that somehow people just did not even want to acknowledge when they were talking about Daniel's potential deal. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, it, it was patently ridiculous. And with that, Paul, you know, as we transition to two parts of this Daniel deal right now, and I think that we need to think and think long and hard about two guys, and they're, the guys are going to be Joe Shane and Daniel Jones. For Joe Shane and Daniel Jones, maybe I have my Homer goggles on. Maybe I do. But I think that this is an enormous win for both men when you consider this. Number one, Joe Shane. This was truly the big free agent, first free agent he had to negotiate as the sole general manager of a football team, not an assistant, not anything behind the scenes. This is a guy who agreed with the head coach working in unison to decline the option on Daniel Jones, which was probably the right move. I mean, Daniel Jones had been banged up two years in a row. He wasn't their guy drafted, all of that. And he stood tall and he got a deal done before the deadline and he didn't you know, bid against himself, which a lot of GMs could do. Uh, You know, he sat back, he examined the market. He came up from their initial asking price, saw if those reports were true about Jones's asking price and really got a deal right on the money and allowed them some cap flexibility for this year. So just, you know, before we get to the future of these other free agents and everything, you know, being able to secure your franchise quarterback, a guy that did everything you asked uh, and a guy that you a year ago were not so sure in. And by you, I'm talking about Joe Shane. This is a really big win for a first-time general manager, and it should also, I think, give the Giants fan base, I think, confidence in the general manager that he can get in that room with agents. He won't blink. Uh, I mean, he can blink a little bit, but he knows how to negotiate properly, and I, I think that this is a little bit relieving, or should be for Giant fans, after going through whatever we just went through with Dave Gettleman for years, uh, that Joe Shane, this is a big moment for him, and he got it done. Joe Shane clearly is in the mindset of understanding complementary football, rewarding performance, and specifically performance in the most important facets and the biggest spots of the game. Now, why do I say that? Well, because he's done this deal with Jones, who just led the National Football League with the lowest interception percentage of any quarterback during the 2022 season. And what do we know, Sean? The best way to lose games is to turn the ball over. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Turnover, as the critics of Daniel Jones like to call him earlier in his career, right now his 2% interception percentage is the ninth lowest all time amongst quarterbacks who qualify with enough throws. How about that? It was a tremendous year. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to say it again. I'm hoping I could bury this. 
when over the last couple weeks, as it's been talked about, anybody who was anti Jones getting paid or, you know, took every hook, line, and sinker, but I'm asking for 47 48, which, by the way, if he did ask for it, good for him. That's how you should start a negotiation, help you work your way down. Which was anybody to poo poo the money. But when I hear the word 15 touchdown pass or the words 15 touchdown passes, I cringe at the lazy take of that, Paul. He did right. not play the final game of the regular season. So this final game of the regular season equated to the wild card game, three more touchdown passes. That's 18. And the seven touchdown runs get ignored should Daniel Jones have slid at the two on every one of those touchdown runs and got up and made sure he passed those balls in to get him up to them what would have been the equivalent of 25 uh, touchdown how about passes? Saquon Barkley's 10 touchdown runs yeah. Paul they were 16th in the NFL in touchdowns per drive despite the, what happened at wide receiver all year Every time that quarterback touched the ball, they were exactly the midway point average in the league in scoring touchdowns per drive with basically only Saquon Barkley as the reputable weapon. And, you know, okay, you could like Hodgins, you could like Slayton. The point is there was no consistency uh, in what they were rolling out there. I mean, look what they started the year with, with Tony and Galladay. That is a damn good year to not turn the ball over and get that kind of production per drive that the Giants did. So simply saying 15 touchdown passes was always lazy. But with that, Paul, I just talked the win with Shane, and we're talking about Jones with the win. I, I went up and down, and I've tried to do this before the podcast. Maybe I'm missing it. I cannot find a quarterback. A, a quarterback that had his fifth-year option decline since that became a thing in the CBA. By the team he's on. Have a year in year four where the GM decides, oh, crap, we need to sign this guy long-term and get a long-term deal and not play on the franchise tag. Maybe I'm missing one. But that shows how hard and how, how you know, the, the, the odds were stacked against Jones. New regime comes in. They initially don't believe in you. They could have picked up your fifth-year option with just save money. They said, no way. You went out, proved them wrong, did everything you asked, and then you got a long-term deal out of it? I mean, that is a huge win for a guy like Daniel Jones, who basically could have been on the brink of becoming a career backup and instead is, uh, you know, a guy with you know, almost 100 million guarantees and is a franchise quarterback now long-term. Well, let me throw on a couple of items here to what you just talked about, because I think these are very significant numbers. And I'm not a guy who loves to just rely on stats, but I think these are critical ones. When you talk about the fact that he led five game-winning drives in the fourth quarter of overtime this year, that tied some guy named Tom Brady and some guy named Justin Herbert for the second most in the NFL. So he was obviously very clutch. So I don't need to hear about the 15 touchdown passes. I want to hear about game-winning touchdown drives right. when when it was nut-cutting time. Okay? Paul how dropping a the... nut-cutting here on one giant right. step. Now, how about this? Sports Radar, which is the official worldwide statistical an analysis uh, company that the NFL has signed up, how about the fact that with over 470 attempts this year through the air, which is a career high for Jones, he threw a career-low 54, quote, bad throws. That's a great tendency when you see the guy has a career high in throws and a career low in bad ones. That's the way you want the arrows to go, Sean. Yeah. Now, let me give you something else. Never mind the fact that in the playoff game, yeah, okay, so they're playing the Minnesota Vikings who had a Swiss cheese secondary and a very suspect defense. That's fine. But I was on the field that day. The place was rocking. It was absolute bedlam in there. A very, very difficult place to go in and win, especially when you consider what Kirk Cousins 
had done this year because he had eight game-winning touchdown drives or, or field goal drives in either the fourth quarter or overtime. And what did Daniel Jones do? He threw for 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and ran for 80 yards. So here's the thing. If he had done poorly against Minnesota, people would have criticized him and crucified him. But in the biggest moment of his career, getting the Giants back to the playoffs for the first time since 2016, in a very hostile environment, he played one of his finest games of the season. So yeah. what does that tell you about the guy? He stepped up. Yeah. He, he earned every accolade that, that the Giants front office wanted to give him. You answered the bell, and, and it wasn't his fault they didn't push the ball down the field. Don't give me this nonsense. Daniel Jones can't throw the ball deep. He did so in year one as well, if you want to knock him for that weekness. I mean, again, who was their big deep ball threat this year? They signed Galladay. He wasn't that. I mean, uh, come any. it's almost like any time someone has to knock Jones for you, completely ignore other things he's done in the past where he's proven you're wrong. I don't mind telling you that my personal film work had the Giants with 40 drops this season. Yeah, it was incredible. That is a ridiculous number. It, it, it was apparent if you watched the games and didn't just study stats and watch Red Zone. Uh, okay, Paul, let's let's transition over to the next part of this, which is the Giants do use the franchise tag. In the end, they do use the franchise tag, the non-exclusive one, on Saquon Barkley. And that number would be 10.1 on, on the franchise tag. Remember, another team can talk to him, but then, of course, you'd have to give up two first-round picks and agree to the long-term deal with Barkley. The reason that's not going to happen, Paul, 30 years of the non-exclusive franchise tag, exactly one NFL player has left their team and gone to another team, and you know the two first-round picks have been exchanged. That was by Sean Gilbert, who sat out an entire season with Washington before going to Carolina, and that actually happening. So this is so rare that that actually happened. So it should make you feel good that Saquon's coming back. The initial belief, though, is that Saquon does not want to play a year on the franchise tag. We saw Le'Veon Bell hold out with the Steelers. This ended up being a bit of a disaster for them. So, look, I think that the Giants did the right thing here. I don't think that you could be paying Saquon Barkley 16, 15 mil a year when you look at the way the running back position is valued. But what will be a fair number if they do get a long-term deal with Saquon left? I don't know. But, Paul, let me just start here. Saquon, after the season, did say that he's not looking to set any new running back paid for records. He seemed like he wanted to be the ultimate team guy, but he, he probably wants a little more security in the one year. Do you think ultimately push come to shove Saquon would step up foot on that field in September on the franchise tag? Yes. I don't okay. think Barkley will necessarily be around during the spring or during the summer or even during training camp. I think there's a potential that he could execute a little bit of a personal holdout, so to speak. But remember, you have until July 17th to tie uh, to sign that franchise tag. He will sign it eventually if there's no deal. I still think there's a realistic chance that this is just a placeholder and that they will sign him to a long-term deal. That'll be worth a little bit more than that, and he'll take the security. But, but let's not kid ourselves. As it stands right now, we know that Jacobs and Pollard also got franchised. Right. So Barkley's right in with them at 10.1 mil for a one-year guarantee, tied for the ninth highest average yearly salary by NFL running backs in the league. Uh, I think the Giants are very pleased with that for sure. Why wouldn't you be? Especially if the reports were correct that they were willing to offer him 12 and a half. So, so to me, this is a no, no lose for the Giants. This is why all along 
The idea was to get the domino with Jones to fall, get that contract in stone so that you had the tag on Barkley because this works just fine. If this is the way it's got to be, the Giants will live with this, Sean. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I, by the way, I think it's smart business. So I'm not anti-Saquon Barkley, the player. I was anti-Saquon Barkley, the pick for where they were. But Saquon Barkley was a warrior for this team this year. He's clearly their best weapon. But I... I mean, look, it is what it is with running backs, right? And this is a extremely deep draft coming up, by the way, at the running back position. I say that all because you talk about those other two guys with the tag. We could talk about how deep this draft is. You know, the reason to believe there could be a long-term deal that ends up being more team-friendly than you'd think instead of burying yourself with a big-time running back salary is, you know, how much leverage does Saquon Barkley have? And, oh, by the way, anybody who could also be a suitor, we haven't even brought up Derrick Henry could get traded too. So whether that be Buffalo or anybody else that could swoop in. So if Derrick Henry gets traded and you see that, you know, Pollard and, and Josh Jacobs, who are such big parts of their offense, are on the tags, I mean, and there's so many new running backs going to be influxed into this league. This could be the deepest draft of running back forever. It does maybe help the Giants out here by both slapping the tag and then having to negotiate because – you know, this isn't like Saquon is the crown jewel of free agency and the only one out there where a team can approve their running game right now, Paul, yeah, which is actually rare for the position. Don't forget, this is supposedly a very good draft for running backs, too. Right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mean, there, it's like 10 deep on guys who can go in the first four rounds. Plethora of running backs who have make-it grades in the National Football League. Now, of course, Robinson, we all know, is the premier back. Right. And a lot of people even compare him to Barkley. Yeah. And there's some thought that he could go in the first round. Right. Gibbs, that, too, who had a great combine. Right. Everybody loves Gibbs. Sure. Right. And, now, and now, after that, though, look, I was out at the combine. And trust me, the scuttlebutt out there is that there's literally a couple of handfuls of backs who people think you can win with. So what would be so bad, for example, right? The Giants have Matt Burrito. We don't know what's going to happen now if he comes back or not. But what we what would be so bad if, let's say, they drafted a young stud in the fourth round? I wouldn't right? be We Right? We, or wait, or, look, or look. Paul with the pick you got at the end of the third round for Tony. I mean, I wouldn't be against that. Okay, so you do that. You groom the young guy. And maybe if Barkley decides he's going to stick with the one-year franchise tag and can't come to deals on a, on a long-term one, well, who knows? Maybe that guy turns out to be somebody like Elijah Mitchell or Kenneth Gainwell, who you pick up like in the fourth round and maybe going into 2024, maybe that guy is someone you groom for a season watching Barkley and maybe he becomes the next back down the road. Now, poor Paul, Paul, we've been there before, a little different circumstance. I distinctly remember Giant Nation melting down at a running back named Tiki Barber for stepping away in his prime and them having to roll out a season starting in 2007 with a former fourth-round pick in Brandon Jacobs and a seventh-round rookie in Ahmad Bradshaw, and they turned out to be okay because yes. guess what the Giants could do in the meantime if Barkley's on the one-year deal? Address the wide receiver room. I mean, that team, of course, had Plaxico and Drafted Smith and had Toomer, but you know the Giants are going to uh, use some cap space here and figure this out, whether it's a trade and we could do that on another pod or the draft or free agent agency, whatever it is, you know, you build up the weapons elsewhere while you figure out this Barkley thing on one year or not, but it's, it's not going to gloom and doom the giants long-term if this next year ends up being Barkley's last year and he plays on the tag. I'm sorry. It just won't. No, I totally agree with you, Sean. This is a team that is trying to build itself into a contender over the next handful of years. And so, as I said, they talk about every three years in terms of your cap management, 
Well, it's also a talent and roster management thing, too. It's not just looking at the numbers and how are we going to manage those numbers over the years. It's also how are we going to manage our talent pool as well. And and if you look at the Giants right now, keeping this franchise back with this franchise quarterback and now trying to go out. And I know Joe Shane says the wide receiver need is a bit overplayed. I'm not buying it. I still think they need an alpha wide receiver. Oh, I'd totally. feel a hell of a lot better if they get one. Okay? Totally. That that right now is the thing that they've got to do. And then if for some reason they can't get the running back thing going and Barkley's not a long-term guy, you know what? Maybe they'll have the franchise quarterback in place, the franchise receiver in place. We think they got a long-term tight end in place in Bellinger. Well, then okay. So maybe in two years they've got to wind up finding a new starting running back. Or maybe they don't. The bottom line is this is the best thing that could happen for this team right now and moving forward at the same time. All right, Paul, with that, let me just set up a couple things that are about to come in the next month and a half as you follow and download and subscribe to One Giant Step. We talked about the wide receiver room. Uh, there will be a list of names, and they're already starting to, about guys who could potentially get traded. We don't. Uh, it makes no sense to go down the whole list and do another 20 minutes on that. We will save that. Uh, you know, just start thinking of guys. Cortland Sutton, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. They're going to DeAndre Hopkins. are going to be big names. Do the Giants do that kind of splash? We will talk about that. The Giants will still have free agents of their own now that didn't get a tag. A guy like Julian Love. Will that be a guy who signs long-term? We will have free agency primers coming up. And, of course, Paul's already done the combine, been to the combine, full draft prep ahead now. Now that the Giants have their quarterback in place, there's some comfortability. We can start focusing on the real holes of this team. Oh, my goodness, Paul. A, a, a draft process where we're not going to be staring down every tackle and every quarterback this year. We can actually focus on some other holes in the New York Giants, which is exactly what we will do with free agency in the draft. So we'll start sprinkling that way. You want to stay download, subscribed. You want to download the One Giant Step. We will have complete off-season coverage to come in the coming weeks as days continue to drop. And, you know, we obviously had a straight up, hey, every Monday, every Friday, every Thursday, whatever you got during the season, breaking news could happen. These could come up at any point. So please subscribe and you'll get that little alert to your phone. ding a ling And you'll get One Giant Step right there every time it drops. In the meantime, Paul's got you covered with all the giant news for sure. Paul, where can we get you on Twitter? At Giants WFAN. And you can follow me at Mraz CBS. Thanks to our producer, James. And thanks to everyone for taking one giant franchise tag step with us.